couples. Well, guess what? I've got a lot for singles too Sunday. So it's going to be for singles. It's going to be for married couples. It's going to be for everybody. And we're going to have a good time and we'll make sure of that. But uh, we'd really love to have pictures of you uh, before and after to encourage you and uh, just have a good time. Hallelujah. Go, if you have your Bibles, look with me please in Romans chapter 3. We want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate your marriage that is and the marriage that is to be. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, just call you blessed. We studied last week that one of the things that I, I finished with Paul's debate that he, he was uh, debating about what the people were saying. And he was, uh, I left y'all with last week where it said that when God judges his uh, his ju judgment it's obvious and it's clear but that they were saying if I sin I provide an opportunity for God's righteousness to be seen clearly so I'm doing God a favor can you believe this was the attitude I'm doing God a favor in providing him an opportunity to see how great God is by my sin I'm doing him a favor then why do I deserve wrath and how many know that is a strong attitude of the world? Why should I be punished when I'm doing God a favor that His mercy and His grace can be seen by our sins? But how many of you know He wants us to be perfect as He is perfect? And His mercy and Him forgiving you and I is just to show how deep His love is. For where the multitude of sins are covered, that shows you how great His love is. And His love is great because He's able to forgive us. But our love for Him is great because we don't want to break His heart or quench Him in any way. And so we want to continue tonight because I'm excited about getting to verse verse 21 and in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 I want you to look at this with me it says as it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none who understands there is none who seeks after God they have turned aside and have together become unprofitable there is none who does good no not one their throat is an open tomb with their tongues they have practiced deceit that poison of asp is in their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. One of the things we were studying that Paul was teaching the people here at this time was it's not just your heritage. or that It's not just being a good Jew. It's being a better Jew. It's not just being a Gentile, but it's being born again. And he's talking here about character. And so if you're taking notes, hold your place here, and let's look at... Uh, Psalms 14.1 that goes along with what we're going to be studying tonight. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 1. Yes, yeah, Psalms. Psalms chapter 14 verse 1. What did I say? Boy, I bet it's good. But we'll just go to Psalms chapter 14. I know what's there. Psalms chapter 14 verse 1. Thank you all for helping me. Keep me in line. Psalms Chapter 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The same fool says, God does not see what I do. But it goes on to say, they are corrupt. They have done the abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who, underline this word because this is what we're going to study, who understand, underline the word understand. This is verse 2 of Psalms 14. To see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside and have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, you can underline that word knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call on the Lord. There they are in great fear for God is with the generation of the righteous. You shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. So we want to look at some of these words about understanding, but it says here there is none that do righteous, no, not one. It, no one is perfect, only Jesus is perfect. No one is sinless by nature or by act. We have to have the work of Christ done within our lives. But in verse 2 it says, there is none that understands. If so if you're taking notes, write this word understands in the Hebrew. And this is something we want to grasp. How many of you know we are children who are disciples of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Yeah. 
And, and, and this is something we got to understand here. This word, he says, there is none that, there's none that do good because there is none that understand. And this word understand in the Hebrew means they do not grasp, comprehend, or perceive. They're not living a life practicing the fear of the Lord where they are grasping, comprehending what God desires or what God has given us in his word. And this is interesting. That word understand means there's no one who can put things together. As long as I'm living selfish and as long as I'm living according to my own laws and not the laws of God, as long as I'm living the way I want to live, I won't be able to understand how to put my life back together until I let Jesus take over. When I'm not walking according to understanding and knowledge and I'm just living my life and I think my own counsel or the counsel of others is sufficient and I'm not guiding it with the word of God, it's so easy not to grasp why I'm making a mess out of my life or out of someone else's life. And that word understanding, he says, there's no one that lives according to understanding. They can't put things together. It means to look at things uh, unintelligently, not being able to discern or comprehend the truth. And how many of you know the world is that way? That, you know, uh, I don't understand why things are not looking at me. Well, I mean, working for me. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're not supposed to be doing that. Well, everybody else is doing it. I know, but look at your track record. Is things working for you? No, then there's a lack of the area of understanding. Because the Bible talks about when you walk in the favor of God, that even your enemies are at peace at you, with you. Amen. All things are supposed to work for you. And so something is not working is not God's fault. It's not God's fault if something's wrong. There's something that I'm not understanding. There's something I'm not grasping about my life. And if I want to get critical and angry and bitter over it, and I want to say, well, it's not my fault. You know, it's somebody else's fault. No, it says you're lacking the understanding. You're not grasping the reality of what God is trying to say here. There's no one with understanding because there's no one with knowledge. And it says there in Psalms chapter 14, there's no one who is seeking after that knowledge. You know, we go to a doctor. The doctor doesn't tell us what we want to hear. We'll try to find another, another doctor. We go to a church. We hear a message. It's not like what we want to hear. We go find another church. If we don't like what our friends are telling us or our counselors are telling us, we'll go find another counselor or we'll find another friend. But I want to find somebody who's going to tell me what I want to hear. But that's not necessarily grasping what God is trying to say. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is what? Death and destruction. And so it's so important that we look at things through knowledge. And uh, that's used six times in verse 18 that there is no fear of God. And you need to write this down. In the Hebrew, Greek there, it's talking about the f- not having a fear of God is how we lack knowledge. If I'm not reverent, reverential towards God and His Word, and I don't walk in the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, I'm not going to walk in understanding, and I'm not going to walk in knowledge. I'm not worried about what's going wrong, or I'm not worried about uh, wh- wh- why are these things happening to me, because, you know, it happens, bad things happen to even good people. Well, listen, you're a child of God, and He says, I've given you a good future. There's some things going on. It's time to seek, Lord What is wrong with me? If there be anything in my heart, lead me to that way everlasting. And so Paul is really emphasizing the importance of taking inventory and examining our lives. I want to read a few scriptures to you, and you can jot this down. This is so interesting. Listen to this scripture. Acts 28, 27. Jot this down. Acts 28, 27. For the heart of this people is waxed gross or cold. Their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes have been closed. Least they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand. There's our word. And understand with their heart. And should be converted. And you know what it says next? And I should heal them. And I should heal them. You ought to look that up. Write that down. Acts 28, 7. There's... I've done heard all that. I've seen all that. And they've gra- we, we get cold and we get hard. And it says, so they're not seeing, they're not hearing. And it looks, and it says, they're not understanding with their heart. Still trying to understand with their mind. Still trying to understand with their emotions. Still trying to understand it with their lust. They're not understanding with the spirit and should be converted. Well, I'm saved. There's a difference between saved and being converted. The reason a lot of people don't make it in the race a lot of reason people fall away. 
They make a dedication. They, make, they, they accept Christ. But they don't receive the transformation, converting power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There's not a whole lot of change in their life. Because there's not a lot of change in the searching. They get saved. I shook the preacher's hand. My name's on the roll. But I'm not converted. I'm a sinner. I'm living a life of sin, even though I, I said the prayer of salvation. Well, then you are a sinner. And so it says here, should they be converted? And then what it says, what? I should heal them. 2 Timothy 3, 7. Ever learning. I mean, listen, this is talking about the church. Biggest libraries in the world. Ever learning. But never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. We're always taking notes. We got the tapes. We got the series. We got the books. Ever learning, but never coming to an understanding or a knowledge of the truth. There's a hearing, but there's not a change. There's not a change. Psalms 82.5 says, They know not, neither will they understand. They will not understand. They walk on, they walk on in darkness. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. They walk on in darkness. And all the stability for life is being shaken by an earthquake because of sin and the consequences of living a life that's not pleasing to God. There's no sure fitting. There's no hinds feet to better go into high places. It says all the course of this earth is being shaken before them because they do not walk according to knowledge. It says in Micah 4.12, But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understands, understand they his counsel. We need to pray every day. It would be neat to write a note and say, Lord, give me ears to hear and eyes to see to understand your counsel. What did the psalmist and what did the Solomon say all the time? Counsel me and then receive me up into glory. Counsel me about my life. Counsel me about my character. Counsel me about my integrity. Counsel me about, as we read in Romans, about my speech. And the words that I speak. Give me counsel. Therefore I can be converted and I can be healed. It says there is none that seek after the Lord. And that word seek after means to search out and to search for. It's the idea of diligent, careful, determined seeking and searching. Not after more revelation. But more of God. More of what he desires. And you get to know God. You get to know his word and get to know his spirit. And it means not after the only the living and true God, not with so they're not careful or have a determined heart. Therefore, that's why men are indifferent and selfish because they, they're going to make a God out of what they believe and what a, out of they want, what they want. He's not supreme. He's not all honored. It says in 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10, knowing this, there's that word knowing, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for prejured persons, if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Anything contrary to sound doctrine. Anything contrary to truth. Well, you know, that was for then. This is now. No, no, his word is eternal. You know, we make leniencies and we make excuses so easily. Well, you know, I can, be, I can get divorced for the 10th time. God will forgive me. Well, did you get counsel why you got divorced the first time? What's changed in you? Not the other person. What's changed in you? What's changed in us? What is in my life that causes things to happen and break apart? Why is the course of my life falling to pieces and falling apart? Why doesn't my life make any sense? Maybe it's because we're not living according to the knowledge of God. And we're not seeking and determined to know what He desires. And He says, knowing this, uh, and then it goes on to say in uh, 1 John 2.22, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? 
Now, none of us will say, I deny, we all believe Jesus is Christ, amen? But by our wicked deeds, we deny him. That's what Paul was preaching. You're not living according to truth. You're living according to your own way. It says in Psalms 10 verse 4, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. You know, if I, if, if, if I listen too much of that word, if I go to church too much, if I read the word every day, I just know that that preacher's going to say something that's going to step on my toes. I just know that I'm going to read something that, that God is just going to wake me up to something that's wrong. So instead of hearing about it and having to repent for it, it's just better if I just stay away from it so I don't have to feel the guilt over it. I mean, that's not a way to live. It says, God is not in all of his thoughts. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. If you're having trouble in an area, seek deliverance, seek counsel. Don't continue to be captured. It says in Psalms 14:1, the fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And then Malachi 3:14 says, Ye have said, It is vain to serve God. What profit is it to keep his word? It goes on to say, Then you will mournfully cry before God. How many times have I heard this in the years I've been a Christian and have been a minister? Where has serving God got me? Well, hopefully, it'll get you in heaven. But the more we're converted and transformed, the more life will be turned into heaven here on earth. It's not vain to seek after God. I, you and I have not lost anything turning our back on the world. Or on the old way. Amen. Talks about the sinful nature. It says in Psalms 14.3. We read they have gone out of the way. In the Greek that means. They mean to lean out. They turn away and they turn aside. Turn away from God. What is wrong in my life? You've turned away from the author of peace. What is wrong in my marriage? You've turned away from the author of wisdom and love. The foundation of it. Turning away from God leads to other gods. And another way that leads you out of peace and security. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 6. 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 6. Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. And out of a good countenance. Conscience. And a faith unfined. From which some having served, some having served, have turned aside to vain living. Some were serving Jesus. But then these thoughts start coming in. Where's this lifestyle getting me? I lost all my friends. I lost all my fun. I remember how good it used to be to go out and party, man. It was just so awesome. And now it's just going to church and it's always the same thing. And, and life just doesn't seem to be the same way. He says, you once were serving God, but then you, give in, you gave in to vain thoughts, got away from the knowledge of God, and it just start leading you astray and things start falling apart. I mean, you know, God has saved you to build your life, not to tear it down. It's not his will to tear it down. It says, listen to this. It says in 1 Peter 2.25, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Hallelujah. Amen. 2 Peter 2.15 says, Which have forsaken the right way. Oh, my God. These were people who had the truth, but they forsook the right way. Well, you know, that might be the right way, but that way just don't work for me. So you're God, and your way's perfect, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam. Remember Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Sent an angel, even made his mule talk to him. I'm his mule tonight talking to you. Your head can be taken. Your peace can be taken. Your, your, your protection can be taken. Your blessings can be taken. Because it says here, because you have forsaken the right way and gone astray. It says in Jude 13, the ungodly are raging waves of the sea, 
foaming out of their shame, foaming out of their shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Proverbs 21, 16. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Now that's something to think about. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. I had someone just tell me this week, Pastor, I don't know if I ought to go to church because I'll be bringing a lot of stuff with me. I said, well, there's others with a lot of stuff in them, so don't worry about it. We got the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you come to church, I just believe something can reach out and touch you. And this says, even in the congregation of the living, there is still part of the congregation of the dead. We've accepted Christ. But by not accepting the knowledge of how he wants me to live my life, I remain as though I've never been saved in the eyes of God. How many know Paul did not apologize for his message? He's preaching a strong message. And it's the truth. And I know right now, oh, I'm saved by grace. Yes, you, you, yes, we are all saved by grace. But that is not what Paul was saying. But that's what I'm talking about. It's not a license for you to live as if you've never heard and you don't know the truth. Are you going to continue closing your eyes and you're going to continue shutting your ears to what God is trying to say? It says in Proverbs 27, 8, As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place psalms 91 he that abides in the shadow of the almighty he that abideth in the secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the almighty but yet as a bird wandereth from that secret place in that shadow of the almighty then we wander into the ways of the places of the dragon the serpent and the scorpion and the sting mm. isaiah 53 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and listen to this. And the Lord had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He died so that I can be redeemed and forgiven and freed from what killed him in the first. Oh, God. But what my life was like that killed him in the first place, the curse that killed him in the first place, why do I want to be as a dog and go back to the vomit that killed my loving Savior in the first place? Why do I want to go back and live the old lifestyle that nailed him to that cross in the first place? But you see, I'll just keep that out of my thoughts. God sees everything that I do and I will give an answer for everything that I do. I'll keep that out of my thoughts. That's not in my knowledge. I don't want to understand that. All I want to understand is that I'm saved. Oh, hallelujah, give me the saved lollipop. It says in 14.3 of Psalms, it says, they are all together become unprofitable. That word means they're worthless, they're useless, but it's the word for sour milk. Remember he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth? It's the word, you, you have become soured. All men who are... Christless or not like Christ are worthless, useless, and sour. Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and be trotted underfoot. Matthew 25.30 And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 9.25 for what is, a, what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or if he be cast away? How many of you know we do not want to be cast away? Amen. It says there is not one that doeth good, not one. The word good means goodness, kindness, graciousness, gentleness, justice. In fact, is the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew 23, 27, very interesting here. It says, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. For you are like unto white uh, tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. 
And then Mark 7, 21, 23 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile the man. Okay, so if this defiles me, and this makes me a bird wandering from the secret place in the shadow of the Almighty, then, Lord, give me knowledge and give me understanding how to break these things that defile me, that come out of me, that are in my heart. I'm not going to give an excuse or live in denial that these things are in my heart. My God, I need your mercy and I need your grace to strengthen me to be able to break these things and get them out of my life forever. Amen. But, you know, as long as nobody knows about it, that I don't have to feel the conviction over it. But God knows about it, and I'm not going to deny that. Amen. It says in uh, Psalms 5, 9, it says, and, and we read about it in Romans 3, it says, their throat is an open grave. It's foul, and the grave, you can write this down, I'm going to speak about this for a little while. The grave is a symbol of corruption. And so tonight, we want to bring, we want to repent, and we want to bring because Roman really gets into it, and David does too. We want to bring our tongue back into accountability as well as our heart before God. Amen? Everybody say with me, my tongue is under the accountability of the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't hurt when you get home or in the morning tonight. Get the anointing oil and anoint your tongue. As Isaiah says, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And that word, their, their, their throat is like an open tomb. It, it, it's the stench of death and corruption. That word in the Hebrew means it's foul, it's dirty, it's polluted, it's detestable. It's an open grave, and the filthiness causes corruption. Now, this scripture meets the hour where we live right now. Use Haiti, for example. What are they worried about now? Now is the time when the diseases start spreading. Why? Because of the time that the death has happened. Now the people have been died the right amount of time to where the diseases can start spreading. Well, listen. The diseases didn't start when they died. And sometimes the repercussions of our words don't happen when we say them. But over, whoa, this is good, church. I might have said something today and I didn't pay for it, but it doesn't mean that in 15 days I may not reap from the corruption of what came out of this tomb. Anything that resembles death will not bring healing to me. The tongue of life is the right tongue, the tongue that speaks truth and life is a tree of life. Amen. So it talks here about um, uh, its filthiness that causes corruption. And listen to this. It speaks there of the decay of character. Every time I give in to say something or a, a, something, even maybe a dirty joke or, or something like that or, or cuss or just, you know what, I'm just going to say these words because, you know, it releases the anxiety or, or I get in on something that somebody else is saying, you, my character begins to decay like a body decays in the coffin. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. This is real church. That's why we're studying this on, on the tomb. Because my, my character and my integrity and my relationship with God and others start to decay by just speaking the wrong negative words. Is that strong? The filth from our mouth eats and eats Away our character and the character of those who are listening. Death spreads. And when I speak this way, I'm not only decaying or hurting myself, I'm hurting those around me who are hearing it, the listeners. And it, my words become offensive and that of a decayed corpse. The foul, filthy mouth kills character. It kills its attractiveness. It kills trust. It kills honor and it kills godliness. My wife and I, when we were down in Central and South America, they don't embalm the dead there. And it's amazing that in a few hours they put the, the dead person in a, most of the time, uh, almost cardboard type box or a, a wooden box. 
And we have to put buckets underneath the coffin because they start swelling, they start leaking. And they have to sew the eyes and the nose and the lips shut with thread. And as they start swelling, you start seeing the threads pulling their, uh, when their lips are pulling and you see the threads holding their lips together and, 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 and they just start swelling and they're leaking. You got to spray and it's one of the most horrible things to see in your life. Or when they, we had this one, they had a freezer for a number of weeks so they could get her documents. And when they put her out, finally, for these kids to see, she had swollen and, and uh, she frozen. So she was like a chunk of ice. And there in front of everybody, she's just defrosting in the heat. Because there's no air condition. And so we, get, we, 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 we see the horribleness of decay. You might not have seen a human body decayed, but a number of us have seen decaying animals. The maggots start coming from where? Inside. Death dwells in the living, but it takes death to make it come forth. And it starts eating and decaying. And that's what this is saying our words do. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers. Why vipers? How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. James 3, 6. And the tongue is a fire, world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body. Wow, that's why the body gets defiled. What's happening to my body? What's happening to my marriage? What's happening to my friendship? Decay. Death. It's spreading. It says, it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, the fire of hell. Proverbs 24, 2 says, for their heart studieth, their heart studieth the destruction, and their lips talk mischief. Psalms 5, 9 says, they have used deceit. That word seat, deceit there means smooth talking. This is all the definitions in the Hebrew. They use deceit. A false tongue, a lying tongue, a cheating tongue, a misleading, treacherous tongue, a deluding, deluding. Wow, use that word deluding. Oh, come on, water that down a little bit. Deluding tongue, flattering tongue, and it even gives the definition, a smooth talking tongue. We can talk as smooth as we want to, but God knows the heart. Amen? The word deceit is something about an ongoing deception. It speaks, listen, deceit means the camouflaging of thoughts. The camouflaging of thoughts. The camouflaging of thoughts. I meet with people who are in jail or going to jail because of words on the internet. And you can try to camouflage those words all you want to, but once the law has you, the law has you, and it's five to ten years in prison. And you can try to talk and make excuses all you want to that I didn't know or this or that, the other, but once you break the law and they got you, they got you, and now you're going to prison. Five to ten years, hard labor, Angola. Because the words came out, maybe not out of your mouth, but it came out of the heart and it set on a course of fire. Smooth talking. Be careful how you talk to young girls on Facebook. Be careful how you talk to sisters in the Lord, brothers in the Lord. Be very careful of how you, your character is represented in the way you, you speak to others and befriend others. I'm going to tell you right now, men. Minor girls do not need to have their pictures bragged on by you. You are walking, climbing the wrong tree. You do not compliment young ladies. Especially minors. There's no reason for a grown man to compliment a minor. That's what they have their daddy and their mama and their little friends for. Am I right, Brother Shane and Sister Sherry? 
be careful. We have to be careful. Can I say here an amen? amen? Camouflaging true thoughts, feelings, and behavior, and then seeking to protect after the evil done has been said. How I many know there is no camouflaging before the spirit of truth, the spirit of purity, and the spirit of holiness? Wow. The poison of an ass speaks of its diabolical nature. Snakes represent demons and Satan. It's diabolical, the poison of asp. It inflicts punishment. The poison of asp is under their lips. The headings under that is gossip, strikes against one, spread in venom. It poisons character and reputations. Many, speak to, many strike out because they desire to, to hurt somebody. Lies in wait to strike and to seek to hurt. Colossians 3.8 says, But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. We're bringing our tongue under accountability tonight. Amen. 1 Peter 2.1 Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all God and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. And Psalms 140, verse 3 says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Now, Paul has been using all of these scriptures to get us ready to the point in verse 21 when we get to the word but. Because we get to the place of redemption through Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? But I am thankful for this. Because what Paul brings out in the end is the reason we have the law is to show us where we're wrong before Almighty God. If we did not have a law, we would not know where, what we are breaking and what we are opening the door to. But because we have the law and because we have these beautiful scriptures that may bite the scriptures may bite, but I'd rather be spanked by God than bitten by a devil. Amen, Amen church. Matthew 5, 34, but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven nor by God's throne. And there's all these scriptures here about be careful that you're not, I swear by God. He says, there, I've got a number of scriptures here, you don't swear by God. And so you've you got to be careful. It says, you have cursed others. You have also cursed yourself in words of deceit. I want to get this through this real quickly. As he, Psalms 109, 17 through 18. Psalms 109, 17 through 18. Listen to the scripture. As he loved cursing, gossiping, backbiting, bad words, so let it come to him. Oh, God. Boomerang. As he loved speaking and cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let, it be far, let the blessing be far from him. He clothed. Now this is interesting because what we're going to find that Paul says, starting with verse 1, is that when we get saved, we get clothed in the glory and the holiness and the purity of God. But this says because of the tongue, he has clothed himself with cursing like with a, his garment. So let it come into his bowels. And like oil into his bones. Well, this is strong. Hmm. You've clothed yourself with cursing like a garment. Putting that on. It attacks the bowels and the bones. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and ego speaking be put away from you. Hebrews 12.15 says, Looking diligently, seeking God, lest any man fall, ooh, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God. Fall of the grace. Fall? Fall? Fall of the grace of God? Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. James 3.14 But if you have bitter evening and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now quickly, in uh, chapter 3, 15 through 18, it speaks about sinful acts, 
It talks about their feet are swift to shed blood. We read it talks about jumping into something that will cause you shame and hurt and harm. Jump, men jump to do evil. It means, um, it means there in the Hebrew, it means to, I'm going to have my own way. I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. That's what that word swift, jumping into it. There in verse 15 of Romans 3. Seeking to seek possessions. Turning against others to inflict pain, suffering, and grief. Sinful acts are oppressive acts that destroy the co- and cause misery. Destruction and misery are in their ways, Isaiah 59, 7. And that's the ways we want to be free from. Let me give these scriptures to in Isaiah 48, 22. There is no peace, save the Lord, unto the wicked. There is no peace, save the Lord, unto the wicked. Isaiah 57, verse 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. What I do start doing just starts causing the atmosphere and things around my life just to start getting worse and, and, and dirtier and I'm not able to see my way. Isaiah 59, 8. The way of peace they do not know. And there is no judgment in their goings. There's no judgment in their goings. Lord, help us to judge our ways. There's no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths and whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. There it is again. The same verse twice. No peace. No peace. Lamentations 5.5. 5. Our necks are under persecution and we labor and have no rest. Ezekiel 7.25. Destruction cometh and they seek peace and there is none. Verse 18 of Romans 3 in Psalms 31. 36.1 says there is, there is no fear of God before their, their eyes and their attention are focused upon other things. They ignore and neglect God living as though there is no God and there sense little responsibility towards God. There's little desire or need to worship God or study His word or know His will. Very seldom cases worship Him. The fear of God is not before their eyes. Therefore, God's case is not before men. Romans 1.21 And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate minds to do those things which are not convenient. Job 34.9 For the ungodly hath said, It profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself in God. You hear this again. We read it a while ago. What, what, what good does it do me to live that life of holiness? Oh, the reward of the Lord. The reward. Do you know the reward of the Lord? Do you know the reward of the Lord? When the presence and the wind of God blows into that room. <laughs> Do you know the reward of the Lord when you feel His presence and the anointing of God just overshadows you and comes upon you and just fills you on the inside and you feel, you feel like you're unconquerable and, and pure and holy and you feel the presence of God? The reward of the Lord! Lord, it's not what you can give me. It's who you are. The reward of the Lord. Mm. Psalms 10.4, the wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Psalms 36.1, the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, there is no fear of God before my eyes. And Psalms 1 verse 30, for I remember this verse as a teenager. They were none of my counsel, and they despised all my reproof. Andrew Murray, boy, he would preach that scripture. I remember as a teenager, I would read that and get on my knees, that scripture, and just start praying. They were none of my counsel. They despised all my, all my reproof. Oh, God, speak to my heart. Move me. Let me know the obvious, clear truth, something that I cannot miss, something that would make me guilty before God. So we see here in closing, the scripture charges every one of us with sin or under sin. And that no one escapes the charge of God's law. Romans 7, 7 talks about the law showing us the way of sin. And Romans 10, 3 speaks of being ignorant of God's righteousness. And going around establishing our own righteousness through things of God. And it speaks that there is none that is righteous. It says that there is none that doeth perfect. No one, no, not one. 
as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. The whole world lieth in wickedness. The world stands face to face before God in perfect, standing short of his glory, standing guilty. The deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified. We are sinners in the sight before God. The law shows me that I'm sinful. And the purpose of the law is not to justify, but to point out my sin and to tell me that I'm a sinner. And the law was to make me aware of sin and the need to seek God's forgiveness and salvation. Then we come to verse 21 through 24. But now, somebody shout out, but now. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested. While was imperfect, now is made perfect through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Faith is used ten times in just that one scripture in Greek. Which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all that upon all them that believe. And there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For Jesus. It says in Hebrews 7.19. For what the law could not do. For it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin. Condemned sin in the flesh. Glory be to Jesus. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. And all these curses and all these woes and all these judgments and, and all the power of the enemy... We all were once bound and covered and, and headed towards hell. But God sent his son in human flesh to take in and upon himself the sinfulness and the wrong and the evil and the ugliness of man. And he drunk of that which did not pertain to him. And he carried that which was ours and the whole world's. And he told the Father, Father, send me. Send me. Make me an offering for sin. Because it's more important that man gets connected to you, Father, than my own life is to me. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoso believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you stand, please? Mm. Died that we might live. Died that we could go free. Died that the guilt of our past was laid upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Would you just thank him now? For the eternal covenant through his blood and through his flesh that has saved you and redeemed us. Lord, we thank you for such a great a salvation. Thank you, Lord, that we desire to seek you because we are in love with you. Lord, I pray for word of grace that we are a church that is love and impassionate about you and your word and What's pleasing to you? Lord, is there such a huge message all about man being pleased? Having everything he desires and all is well. The emphasis throughout eternity is always upon you. May all of our heart and our soul all of our desire, all of our passion, all of our love, all of our seeking, all our wanting, all our knowing, may it always be directed to the one it always belongs to. It's you, Father. It's you, Father, that we desire. It's of your water we desire to drink. It's in you, the vine, we desire to live and be connected Forgive us for the evilness of our heart and our tongues. Forgive us for the times we 
lean and we fall into the old way, back into the coffin, back into decay. But Lord, even as you sent that angel with a coal of fire for Isaiah's lips, we pray tonight, cleanse our lips. Cleanse our lips. We all are here tonight. And we all thank you for your blood and your forgiveness. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to burn our lips, our tongue, our throat, and our heart with the fire of you, Holy Spirit. Break off the curses and the attachments to our words. In whatever way, we repent tonight. We ask you to forgive us, Father, and to create clean lips out of our pure heart that men without wrath or doubting, but believing in the faith of redemption, lift up holy hands to you. <laughs> we love you, Spirit of truth. And we desire to know the truth and understand it. Bless these students and disciples that are here tonight. We are seeking understanding to your word. And we praise you for your word, all of it. In Jesus' name, give us the grace to stand. And anoint us to be able to be converted with the transforming power of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To behold not the judgment of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but now, according to Paul, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And by beholding that glory, we are transformed from glory to glory, from power to power. Thank you, Father. It's not the judgment we see. It's the glory. What Moses could not look upon fully, we can now behold in the transforming power of Jesus. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand and praise him for his salvation? <laughs> hallelujah. 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 God is good. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I like coming on Wednesday nights and get saved all over again. Hallelujah. I love you. I bless you. Please get pictures to us. We want to celebrate you and your honey. And uh, we're going to see you Sunday morning. We're going to have a good time. We love you. God bless you. Need prayer. We'll be here to minister to you. We love you. God bless.